0: This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now, here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joir. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Wednesday, March 6, 2019. This is a very special episode, and because of that, I have my special pal, Brian Heater of TechCrunch on the show. Hi, Brian. How are you? Hi. I'm doing well. Thank you. It's a very special reunion for us. It is. Not only that, it's my 100th show, which is why it's a special show. And I'm really kind of excited to have kind of a special person on the show because, you know, you and I work together in gadget. You're a kind of a big podcast fan and I'm a big podcast fan. So it's kind of, I think, really fitting that we have this kind of, you know, nice coincidence happening here.
1: Yeah, I, I was I was trying to remember how long I've been doing these. Because after the um after Spotify bought Anchor and Gimlet, I started doing this this recurring feature. I'm gonna put up the third one this week where I ask some podcasters to kind of show me what their gear is. And um, I've been doing my current one with through Boing Boing for God, about five and a half years now. I think it's somewhere around three hundred and twenty episodes, but I have been podcasting off and on in various places since then starting with PC Mag and then and, and Gadget. I've I've got, you know, like like probably about a dozen or so abandoned podcasts floating around iTunes right now. Don't we all? Yeah, it's um like well, one of these days I'm going to go back and and do some, I'm not, actually not going to go back and do anything with them. Don't 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 hold me to that.
0: No, we won't. It's okay. Um so I want to talk about um, something that you wrote on TechCrunch just like a couple of days ago, which is your, your Samsung Galaxy S10 Plus review. Because, you know, this is a phone show, so we're going to talk about phones and... And even though it's the hundredth show, I, I kind of really couldn't come up with. I was like, it's awesome enough that we have Brian Heater on the show from TechCrunch. So let's let's talk about some stuff that he's worked on, because it's a phone show, and that's you know not just phones. But I cover cars, you know, mobile tech, but whatever. But um, but what's your take on this? I mean, do you think is it just another year, another Samsung phone, or is this something special? Is this like the tenth edition? Like what what is it?
1: Yeah, that was a big push, right? They they did um. They did a very sneaky thing, which is not only did they kind of issue Mobile World Congress altogether and launch it the week before, but they did it in San Francisco.
0: Yeah, that messed a lot of people up. You know, I didn't go and I don't have a review in it, although I was invited because I was already in Barcelona and I couldn't change my flights.
1: Not only, not only did it mess me up, so I'm, I'm, as you know, I'm in New York, so that's like, right. I had I, to go, I, I basically went to the other side of the country and then came back and had a three-hour layover. I know this is like, this is like first world problem stuff I can't really complain about. But
0: journalists, tech journalist problems. Yeah.
1: Had, had a, had a three-hour, three-hour layover in, in New York City, which is kind of weird being home in my airport, but not actually being home, but. Um, not only was it in San Francisco, but they did it at the uh, the Bill Graham Civic Center, which right. is where Apple has a bunch of their exactly. events.
0: exactly. And in the past, I think even Nokia had some events there. But but I mean, I think I think it was
1: it was a big dog move against Apple. It was like, hey, it's our tenth anniversary. We're going to do it on your ground.
0: Yeah. And uh, you know, I think that's that's kind of where Samsung was going with this. They wanted to kind of make sure that they kind of owned MWC before MWC.
1: Yeah, well they knew we all listen, we all knew it was going to be a big year going into it. Um I I you know, we've we've both been doing this for a really long time and after a while all this stuff really starts to together and sometimes you know you get a little I was this way before CES in fact somebody somebody actually called me out and complained to my my bosses at TechCrunch that I wasn't big enthusiastic enough about CES on on Twitter but you know they things start to blend together and and a lot of times it gets gets difficult to really get up the excitement especially with phones right I mean you've been you've been covering them for so long you know that it can't be it, it can't be a huge exciting revolution every single year You know, you do it year year in, you're out. You you get like, you know, maybe there's a higher risk screen, or maybe. They're getting rid of some of the bezels on the side, but it, it, it oftentimes gets difficult to, to. I'm sure even for you, the most enthusiastic phone fan I know, to sort oh, of I'm sum
0: jaded up. Oh, I'm as F, man. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, it's getting to the point where I'm just like rolling my eyes all the time. That's kind of why I want to, th- I, I kind of curious what you think. I mean, I don't have a device yeah. yet. I'm still waiting for one. And of course, I played with one. I've seen it. I've taken a hands-on video of the 5G model at MWC. I'll put that in the uh, show notes, but. And and you did write a cool article, by the way, about how you felt CS was kind of mad, but MWC was kind of awesome. And it was kind of awesome, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, that's my sort of like long preamble of saying that everybody knew that this was going to be the year that like we started finally seeing 5G phones after years and years of all of these companies promising them and that we would actually start to see these foldable devices as well. So Samsung not only was it their 10th anniversary, but they basically saw all of the writing on the wall. So they decided to beat it by about a week. But they did a weird thing at the event. And I talk about this um, in, in the preamble of the article where they spent the first 10 minutes talking about the fold, which like, great, God bless them, that's a thing that people are super excited about, but why would you take the wind out of your sails at the beginning of an event like that?
0: Well, I think it's because there was so much hype about the folding phone, right? They they needed to, I think they needed to address it somehow so they could move on and say, okay, now that we've kind of done this and you know what's coming with that, let's talk about our bread and butter now, right?
1: Yeah, but generally you'll you'll see it. You know, the, the Apple movies just kind of do the other, know, way, the other around. way around, right? Yeah. So you do this is this is this is the present, and then at the end you do the one more thing, which is this is the exciting thing that we're going to talk about. But they they flipped it. So the big exciting thing was at the beginning, and I, they shouldn't take anything away from the the S ten, which as you know is an incredibly good phone, and and the Galaxy line has been incredibly good for a number of years now. But they really they kind of they kind of took some of their own momentum away at the event by starting things off with the exciting new, uh, basically like, this is the future. Okay, now let's talk about the present.
0: Yeah, it's odd, but I, I can kind of see potentially why they did it. Like, I think that, you know, they kind of created this weird hype around it. I think it's kind of like, you know, when Apple announced the iPhone um, and, and screwed everyone over by having their show in SF when everybody was at CS. You know, remember that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well that was that was that that was always Apple's big dog move. But it, it worked for them, right? I mean they they were so in charge of the dialogue for so many years that they were able to pull that off. And things have obviously shifted for Apple quite a bit and we could maybe get around to that later. But Samsung has always been a marquee brand, but Samsung doesn't really control the conversation in the same way that Apple used to. No,
0: and and I think they're just trying to like, you know, you know, I hate to use the expression, but whip their mmm around as it were, sure. right? And and I think, um, you know, they're not doing it right because they never do. I mean, that's kind of like it's yeah. kind of like this broken cultural disconnect, right? So I think I think for me the way I see this this Samsung event was like they they kind of like Apple built up so much momentum on the folding phone at their developer conference in the fall that the first the only thing they could really talk about first was the folding phone if they hadn't shown that thing at the developer conference i think they could have actually surprised a lot more people in a more effective way by saying hey here's the galaxy s10 the e the 10 the plus the 5g and oh by the way you know one more thing boom folding phone so, you know ships april it, right that i would re- that i think would have blown a lot of people away way more
1: it's it's hard i mean you know this is this is the thing it's easy to do sort of like you know sunday morning Quarterbacking or whatever—that's what we is do, Brian.
0: That's what we do. I know,
1: do. I know. But but so, so so I guess take a look at it from from this perspective, right? The the S nine didn't sell very well, so because of that, the mobile division didn't have a particularly good year. Now that's there, there's a number of factors involved in this one of which is just like mobile phone sales are, are down across the board people just aren't upgrading as as often because like you know phones are basically good there's not as many compelling reasons um, if you bought, bought a flagship phone two three years ago you're probably going to hold on to it for a little while especially if you're spending the the, the amount that they cost now so, the, so there's that element to it and then there's the fact that you know that Huawei is kind of lurking around the corner so Phone sales are, are down for... they
0: are. I mean, yeah. they're such a juggernaut. Well, L- let's talk about that in a bit. But yeah, go on. Sure. Well, no,
1: I'm saying phone sales, phone sales are down for everybody but Huawei. And Huawei beat... They beat Samsung to the punch with the, you know, the the, the charge sharing, with a lot of the camera features and all these things. And then on the other end, um, again, Samsung saw the writing on the wall, knew that all these foldable phones were coming out in the near future. Royal was the only one to actually, like, beat them to the announcement with albeit a pretty crummy developer phone, yeah. but they knew it was happening and they knew they had to get out in front of the conversation. So they stood up on stage at the end of last year and held up this like this really chunky prototype. So I don't know. It, I don't know if there was a, a particularly graceful way they could have pulled it off.
0: And you know, I agree. And that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I think because they were kind of under pressure to put sure this thing at their developer conference, they kind of had to start, I think they kind of had to start this show at Bill Graham with the folding phone, which is really weird, but hey, you know, um, we want to talk about that. We want to talk about the the Mate X and f- other folding phones in yeah. a second. I I kind of want to bring you back to the Galaxy sure. S10. Sure, sure. I know. I, no, no, I it's got okay because there. you did say something very important. I think It's to me you you talked about the lack of sales on the S9. I think a lot of what you said is absolutely correct. You know, the industry is stagnating. People are keeping their phones. Blah blah blah. Oh, that's true. But I think it's also BS to say that there's no innovations in phones because we saw a shit ton of innovation in phones at MWC. Not only that, but I think that the Galaxy S9 was just a boring phone. It wasn't enough an upgrade versus the S8, which in which at the time was a great update. And so, you know, it's like a tick right? It's like that was the talk year. That was kind of the weak year. And I think Galaxy yeah, sensing feel, feels to me like a tick year. It feels like a, a phone that you'd want, right? Uh, to upgrade to if you're a longtime Samsung person. So that, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I I
1: think it's at a point right now, and this is part of the reason why everyone's experimenting with these new form factors, is that it's been a really good phone for a long time. The, ba- the base, the core of it has been... Great. I I don't, you know, as far as like reasons to upgrade in um, them in and of themselves. If you had already gotten a an S eight or an S nine, I don't necessarily know if there's enough there. You know, the the in display fingerprint reader is is very cool. I don't know if that's enough reason for a lot of people to upgrade. The um you know the the charge share is. A neat feature. I don't know how often people are actually going to use it. Sort of day to day, the the camera is definitely better. I think the camera feels, is a big deal. Do do you think it's you think it's that big of a step? I mean, it's
0: not I, that big of a step. But if you're coming from an S eight, this is a this is a worthy upgrade. Um, if you're coming from an S nine plus, it's a harder proposition because the only thing you really gain is a wide angle, which I think is the one to gain. If anything, it's the one. I think if you have a choice of having a limited number of lenses, wide angle and and is is always better than, like ultra wide is always better than tele. Um, But, you know, the Galaxy S9 Plus last year, like the Note 9, had tele and regular. So, you know, to me, that's why I think it's an upgrade. I think that you get a wide angle no matter which Galaxy S10 model you buy. And even the E has it, which I think is great. So now, of course, you get the tele on the 10 now, which you only had one camera on the nine last year, the regular nine, not the plus. And now for the plus, of course, has, you know, uh, the time of flight, not the time of flight, the uh, second camera on the front, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But to me, what I think makes the 10 at least, and again, you reviewed it, I, I don't have one, I played with it. So, I, I mean, my, ex- my experience is very short, but my feeling is camera and general performance, right? Now, 855, um, you know, base storage 128, all these things, uh, amount of RAM, I think those are where the updates I think the reverse charging is nice, but like on the Mate 20, it's it's kind of gimmicky, although having the Galaxy Buds to kind of support the feature is a, is a definitely a better marketing exercise than Huawei did with the Mate 20 Pro. And uh, and I think, you know, that's that's too, that's kind of how I see it. I, I think camera is a huge part of why you want to update. Battery life is a huge part of what you want to update. And when I say performance, I mean battery life is rolled into that performance because you know, the Galaxy S9 regular last year had a tiny battery compared to the Galaxy S10 regular this year. And on top of that, now you get an 855. So I think you, you probably saw battery life be pretty damn great in your tests on the S10+, Plus, right?
1: Yeah. I I got it. I got two days. I mean, there were, there were like a couple of years there, right. Where Samsung like wouldn't upgrade the battery for, for pretty obvious reasons. And now all of those reasons are kind of behind them. Um, but I, but I do think, I I mean, I, what I was getting at is again, really great phone, definite improvement over last year. Um, but we've almost hit a saturation point on a lot of things, things to, to the point where, um, in a lot of cases you're seeing like, you know, the, the pixel is a good example of this. The, the iPhone is a good example of this too, where like the camera hardware isn't really getting an upgrade because people are really doing things on the AI. But because everything is so good right now, you know, it's certainly not, there aren't a lot of reasons to upgrade on like, for example, a one-year cycle. But yeah, sure, I mean, if you're if you're at the point now where it's time to upgrade, I mean, this is- That's
0: kind of what I'm saying, right? Yeah, this or, is far and away the
1: best Android phone. If you could.
0: were, like, if you look at the delta between the S8 and the S9, and the delta between the S9 and the S10, I think mm-hmm. that second delta between the S9 and the S10 is a bigger one, right? It's a, it's a, you have more reasons to upgrade year to year this year than you had year to year last year. And remember, my audience is tech-savvy early adopters. They buy a phone every year, right? So, at least, sometimes more. So they're like looking at it, going like, "Okay, well, maybe I should buy a Galaxy S10. Maybe I shouldn't, you know." But the other thing is, is you know, the the normal customer, you know what they do? Their contra- their contract's about to expire. They go in and buy another phone, and they stick with what they have. So if they have a Galaxy S7 right now, they're going to get a Galaxy S10. If they have an S8, they're going to get an S10. It's it's a no-brainer, right? They might downgrade to a 10e even because the 10e is a pretty damn great proposition for the money right now, in my opinion, right?
1: Yeah, I, I you know, you did mention too. Um <laughs> this is actually funny. So we uh the S ten plus review ran on I think Friday, the the day I got home from MWC. And then the uh Galaxy Bud review ran on Saturday. I just I, I kind of th- I it's not like, you know, did it's you do that re- one too? I did. And it's not a three thousand word review like the the S ten. It's just sort of like a quit like like Hey, here you know, it is. Samsung. <laughs> yeah, I gave, gave me these things to test out with the phone, and here are my experiences with them. That thing did so much more traffic than the S10 review. Interesting, which is kind of fascinating. That tells you everything
0: and, you need to know, though,
1: right? Yeah. Well, I mean, people that, are kind of bored with phones. People know that They're gonna get a really good phone with the the S10, and that's what the review is just like. These have been really good phones for uh, a while. This is a this is this is an even better one. This is as as good of an Android phone most likely as you're gonna get in 2019, or at least the first half of 2019. But the the earbud review, uh, the reason why it did really well was because it was just like, hey, Samsung finally it out how to do this. We've seen a bunch of ear, but we've seen a bunch of headphones from this company. We've seen a bunch of earbuds and they finally got this secret sauce right on these on these headphones. And they are as good, if not arguably better than the
0: AirPods. How is the sound quality? Because to me, the biggest issue I have with the AirPods is they look dorky. That's fine. I can get over that. But the, the, the and but they're really small and really light, which is impressive. Techno, you know, technically speaking, but they sound like crap. They sound like, Earpods that are wireless, big deal. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't care. I have, I have way better access. I have access to way better than that, and I don't want to yeah. compromise, even if the convenience is there and the wireless and all that. So to me, I'm kind of hoping the the Galaxy Buds, you know, kind of up the level in performance, at least in sound quality, a little bit.
1: They're they're good. They're not they're not great. You know, if you're buying headphones solely. Or how they sound; these aren't the ones. They're Can better be than AirPods, use. though. Well, they, they they are for I mean a couple of reasons. You know, they, so they've got Harman and AKG. That they've helps, got a, yeah, they've got a couple of companies that have been building these for a long time. Um, but more than that, for so, for whatever reason, Apple has so like stubbornly clung to the the hard plastic design on all of their headphones. The the ear the um, the Galaxy Buds. They're small. They like fit on the kind of inner outside, uh, whatever part you'd call that of your ear, and they've got um, the silicone tips. So they they like they fit nicely in. They block out ambient sounds, and there's there's no noise drain on there. Right. So That's the biggest problem that I have with with AirPods and and Apple's devices is they, I mean, they fit my ears relatively well because I'm like a reasonably tall person. But even still, they're kind of awkward and you lose a lot of sound. You get a lot of ambient noise and and you don't get any of that with these.
0: All right. That's good. I mean, you know, a good point of reference for me, in case you haven't tried them, try them out, are the the OnePlus USB-C earbuds. Mm. They sound really good for the money. Like, you know, Vlad, you know how picky he is about audio. I you do. know how we worked with him at Engadget. And now he does a lot of audio coverage at The Verge, particularly headphones and earbuds. And I actually, you know, he might disagree with this. So let's, let's, let's say that maybe i uh, take this with a grain of salt. But I feel like I'm somewhat responsible for his passion on headphones and earbuds because we were at Computex one year. With Engadget and I had my Edemotic, um, in, you know, in ear monitors, like the in ear canals, um, they're, they're sound insulating, but they're not actually like active, you know, they're not noise canceling. Uh, but they, they isolate a lot of sound and they sound incredible, but they're really expensive, like 450 bucks, right? And I got him to try them and he was blown away. He's like, this is what earbuds and headphones can sound like. I'm like, yeah yeah, I mean, this is my level of baseline standard. And he's like, whoa, you've completely blown my mind. And I'm like, yeah. And, and you, know, you know, there's a lot out there that is much more expensive that arguably doesn't sound that much better. But since then, he's been reviewing for the Verge a lot of headphones and earbuds. And I feel that he's got way more seat time than me with all Ooh. kinds of products now that I feel that I trust his judgment. And, and you know, the, the he, he went on about how, Good for the money, those earbuds from OnePlus, the USB Type-C ones were. And I, I got a pair when I got my OnePlus 6T, and I tried them and I was like, wow, okay, yeah, he's right. This, is, I mean, this is not the same level as my Ademotics, but for the money, this is way better than I expected. And so that's kind of what I'm, if, if you have a chance, like maybe, I don't, I don't think you'll have time to write an article about it, but <laughs> try them on, and maybe tweet and let people know, hey, versus yeah. the USB Type-C bullets, this is kind of what I would rate both of them out of ten. It'd be interesting to did, see did what you, you try, subjectively think.
1: Did, did you try the? Um, did you try the ones the AKGs that shipped with the S9?
0: I did, and they were not bad. Um, I can't remember because I didn't directly compare them to the, the OnePlus ones. So,
1: I, I mean that 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 for a while there, that was kind of my standard. They were pretty for,
0: good for the money. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think they were terrible for bundled. the money being free. But yeah,
1: but. Like the between the sound and, and the fit, the fit is something that Samsung has done much well better. For a while. Yeah, yeah, and these and the, I don't want to spend like a ton of time on the buds because we have other things to talk That's about. Okay, but the buds the buds are small, they fit really well, and like again, remember when Apple uh, announced Air Power? Remember that? Oh that was a God. long time ago. What a debacle! That was, at, was that that wasn't even at I O? That was like at a hardware event like a million years ago. Never came out, but part of the um, part of the thing there was that it, the, the next generation of AirPods, or at least like the, 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 second AirPod case that had inductive charging on it and had the, this is so, this is such an underrated feature, but had the, um, a light on it, right? That you know, that they were charging, which AirPods don't have, which is, seems like just such a ridiculous oversight to me.
0: Well, you know, Apple, no lights or buttons. It's I true. Mean, I mean, my, my 12 J2, inch though. MacBook does not have a light that tells me it's charging. I have to open oh, the God. lid and look at it and go oh it's charging or if it's turned off I open the lid and it's like an iPad it has a little screen with the battery on it and I'm like you know I mean honestly I I like USB C I'm a big fan and I'm glad that everything is going in that direction yes I, make Ma- I miss max safe I think it was great but I think in the future it makes more sense to have USB C on everything but but like why not do what Huawei does with the mate X Pro would have a tiny little white LED right next to the USB-C port saying hey I'm charging like it could be very discreet it could be even a very dim light if Apple engineered it it could be breathing beautifully you know like come on it is a
1: really, it's a very frustrating time to be a MacBook user. It's a very frustrating
0: time to be an Apple user unless you're yeah a full into the iOS ecosystem and you're a hardcore iOS fan. Because to me, that's the thing. I don't like iOS. I think it sucks. I think that... They are, they have missed the boat and they're always behind on features. They keep adding the stuff that we've had in Android forever. Yes, it's more elegant. Yes, it's easier to use. Yes, the apps are way better. I will give them that, but I don't care. I want to be productive with my phone and I also want phones with different form factors. I don't want to be locked in into now I have three choices. Whoop de effing do. Like, I mean, I have a million choices if I want to in the other world. And, and that's the thing. It's like, Anyway, I could be renting forever, but back to the MacBook <laughs> for a second, yeah. because that's where we were going with this. Yes, as a Mac fan, not an Apple fan, but a Mac fan. Oh man, it's been a rough few years uh, between Touch Bar, which I hate, um, between you know the, the, the thermal issues, the keyboard. Yeah, the three big the three big things for me is I'm all on for the all USB C world. That that I don't care what people say about dongles. Forget it. Just 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 adapt, Okay, it's the future. Um. I think that uh, I love the design of the machines in terms of thickness, bu- the design, the way they look. Uh, but I think they compromise the keyboard to make that happen. They compromise thermals to make that happen. We cannot have the best Intel chips on these machines because thermals are screwing up. There's a good video by Dave2D about that, where he goes over how there's rumors of uh, I think a 14-inch or 6 sorry a 16 inch 16, MacBook 16 Pro, inch. Pro yeah. and it would make perfect sense because it, the chassis would just be just big enough to accommodate those super nice Intel eighth gen chips that have just been announced, or 9th gen, or whatever they are, uh, and and I'm like, you know, how can you mess that up when it's a pro device you're making? Like, I have a 12 inch MacBook. I accept that they may, it makes compromises in terms of performance for its weight and size because it is a dog, and I've got the original, which is worse, and I'm okay with that because I, all I do is very lightweight travel stuff on it. Um, but if you are a pro user, like you, you need some oomph, you know. Anyway, rant over. It
1: it's funny. Um, so last so okay. So when when we do a story on TechCrunch, it goes out on Twitter and our uh, our handles attached, uh-huh. uh, which That's is sometimes
0: <laughs> very dangerous. Sometimes a living
1: <laughs> sometimes a living nightmare. Like every time I have a story about Trump or or like you know um, like trans rights or anything else, like I just like get in this like horrible. Just horrible, like shit, spell of just awful garbage monsters on on Twitter. But anyway, uh, last year I did a story about uh, we do these holiday gift guides, and I did a story about um, uh, uh, tr- like my fa- here are my favorite travel gadgets or something. And somebody very rightly every once in a while somebody will actually like hit the nail on the head. Somebody very rightly said like all of the things that you included in your story are all fixes to Apple problems. And they were right. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, like the, the, the duet monitor, um, yeah. you know, to, to use like a secondary screen, um, all these like USB-C dongles, um, something for like for the AirPods. They were all things that I had put on my list in order to fix features that Apple had taken away from their devices.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, you know, that's what Apple is about—ecosystem, um, I like to call it. Yeah. Right. But I mean, look, now they're trying. then they, there's. I think they're seeing the, they're seeing the writing on the wall, and I think they're they're kind of moving towards more services, which I think is a good thing for them because, you know, you can't you can't expect people to upgrade an iPhone when, when like they just bought an iPhone 10, like they aren't going to buy a 10s or 10R. Like the 10 is a freaking amazing phone today still. So. Uh, And I think that's less of a Delta than the Galaxy S8 to the Galaxy S9, even, to be honest with you, in my opinion. But so, yeah. So would you would you say for my audience, who is tech savvy early adopters, in the light of all the other devices that we've seen recently, and, and it's just starting the year, right? So we're starting to get the mm-hmm. rollouts. We're hearing rumors of OnePlus 7. We saw yep. things like the ZT 5G phone. We saw things like the Mi 9 from Xiaomi. We saw things like the Mi Mix 3 5G. We saw the LG G8 and V50. We saw, uh, of course, the folding phones. Um, you know, there's rumors of OnePlus 7. Um, in that light, would you say, yeah, buy the 10S or the whatever, the 10 Plus? Um, from Samsung, you can't go wrong, rah, rah, rah. Or would you say, meh, you know, it's just a great phone. There's many great phones. I mean, a
1: little bit of both. You you, you absolutely can't go wrong. It's, right now, I'd say, pretty strong contender for the best Android phone on the market. But, you, I mean, you're right. The timing is timing's not great to buy a phone because of MWC and because, you know, the... Huawei Huawei's got a big event coming up in the very near future, so there's there's about to be a ton of phones released. But I mean, yeah, absolutely, you 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 can't go wrong. It's it's a Galaxy device. Yeah,
0: I mean the P thirty P thirty Pro will be coming soon. Yep. there's an event March twenty sixth in Paris. Uh, and you know, you I, I mean OnePlus OnePlus isn't going to compete with the Galaxy. N- no, but I think that futures. that for some people who are budget sensitive yeah. you know like you you can't i mean honestly i i i I do keep putting the one pluses in my kind of flagship group every year when i do my best of the year because i can't i feel like yeah i mean it's it's you can't compare them on price but they they go very close in terms of feature right so
1: yeah i was talking to uh you know you know ray wong at mashable yeah we were we were were chatting about this um we, we were doing a bunch of meetings before mwc and um i I off I offhandedly called the OnePlus, like I don't know if I use the word budget or like <laughs> mid-range phone, but I was talking like very specifically on price and and you know you're right I mean it does it does fudge those lines it for a very long time and continues to be the best handset in in that sort of mid price range especially now that the you know the that Samsung and and Apple are like well over $1000 at this point. It'll be interesting to see though where they go from here, right? They added the they were one of the first people to add the in, in-screen fingerprint reader and they've been super bullish on 5G. So there's a chance that they might buck that trend a little bit and and start kind of edging up on the price point as well
0: well they have every year gone up a bit um and i don't expect that to stop i mean my conversations with them seem to indicate that they are trying to position themselves more premium uh in an affordable premium and and i think that you know if you look at their success last year with the launch of the oneplus 60 on t-mobile it is a big success story because they they suddenly got a much wider audience and much easier access in the US. You know, whether we like it or not, people still often go to operators and carriers to buy their phones. So, at least in the U.S., so you know, I think uh, they're playing with the big boys now, and maybe that might seem they might need some big boy pricing. At the same times, I do feel that the, the the Galaxy S10, the iPhone, you know, 10s uh, and 10R, to some extent, and and when I say the Galaxy S10, I mean the line of phones, and 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 even you know, like Huawei with the May 20 Pro, and I'm sure the P. 30 pro when it comes out they're they're inching themselves up into pricing territory that i just don't think is sustainable and makes sense so i feel that you know oneplus on one end still has some headroom there but they are gonna have to watch how high they go right because especially you know the rumors are and let's just touch on the news the rumors are that the one plus seven obviously will have five G. That, that we now know from our trip to MWC, you and I, that the phones look just the same with five G, right? Mi Mix three, five G. Uh, it doesn't matter, does it?
1: Uh, what do you mean from a design standpoint? Yeah, from, a,
0: from the fact yeah. that you know the fact that they have five G is just kind of going to sure. be incidental very soon. They just happen to have a five G radio, and if you have service, you have service, and if not, well, it just doesn't affect you in any way. I, maybe even it doesn't affect you in cost because the Mi Mix Three five G is not really that expensive. So my point is that it, the five G on OnePlus Seven seems to be a given. I can see there being two models, one with and without. I, I, there's no way they launch it. With, without doing it on 5G. Exactly. I, I just, I can't No, and they're going to do that. it with like uh, some carrier in the in, in, in Europe, like E or uh, I don't know who was the other partner they had over there, but uh, so there have been lots of announcements. I, I think it's going to happen. But But even if they make a 4G only version, the thing that I think the rumors are showing is that they might do a pop-up selfie camera like the Vivo Next S last year and a bunch of phones since then, including that crazy Energizer phone uh, that we can talk about when we recap MWC. But, but my point is that that means no water resistance. It seems to me that one of the things that OnePlus users have been asking for for a while is water resistance. And, you know, because uh, OnePlus is part of this big BBK empire that also owns Oppo and Vivo, they seem to be sharing a lot of technologies between them, which is great because it brings economies of scale. And that's why, you know, we went from uh, an 18.9 display on the OnePlus 5 uh, to, a uh, uh, you know, an, uh, let's see, uh, to, yeah, don't... 89, a 69 on OnePlus 5 to an 89 on OnePlus 5T, to a notch on OnePlus 6 to a teardrop notch on a OnePlus 6T. And now we're looking at, you know, every basically six months, we're getting an upgraded display and we're looking at a bezel-less display, completely, you no know, you know, no no hole punch, no nothing um, with this pop-up camera. I believe it, but the question is, is OnePlus maybe losing the, you know, the plot a little bit here because they lost the headphone jack, The in-display fingerprint reader kind of sucks. I don't know if you've tried it, but it's not really that reliable. And I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, it doesn't... And it's still not water-resistant, which is something that people have been asking forever. Now, I'm not against a pop-up camera and a full-screen display that has no bezels and no nothing. It looks cool, but, you know, they need to improve that in-display fingerprint reader. I feel like they need to bring back the headphone jack, and I feel like, you know, they... The waterproofing to me would be more important. Put, put a whole punch display on there, like the Honor View 20. I don't know if you play with that phone, but it's delightful. You know, you're probably the first experience for use, being the Galaxy S10 Plus, but I've been using, um, a f- phone with a hole punch for a while. And I actually think the hole punch is the best of all of all worlds. I think that it doesn't require you to have like some sort of weird slider or pop-up camera for the front, yet you get a full screen display. It's much less in your way, I feel, than the notch. You didn't seem to feel that way, though, right? What do you think?
1: No, I... I oh, God, so this... <laughs> <laughs> I miss talking to you. Remember like so much to unpack with what you just said. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs>
1: um, Your turn. Okay. Let me, let me back up a little bit. So, so, so the OnePlus I find is an incredibly interesting company. I mean, I, w- I was having a discussion with a coworker about them recently. And I think there's a case to be made that they are the most interesting mainstream consumer electronics company probably in the in the past five years, certainly in the mobile space, right? The the speed with which they came to market, obviously as you mentioned, you know, they've got all that, that OPO money, they've got all the distributions, chains, and everything else in place. But the speed with which they came to market, they've only been around for what, like five, six years five, as a company yeah, at this point. Years. Yeah. At which they came to market, came out with a device. It was an incredibly good device. All of these it's a great, it's a great story, but and this is really fresh in my mind because I just wrote I just, you know, interview the CEO of Fitbit, is they're at a crossroads right now. They're, you know, they 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 do need to take the next step. Obviously, in order to continue to be a successful consumer electronics company, you need to keep growing year after year. So that means working with other people, that could mean cutting some corners, making some sacrifices. But yeah, if they lose that connection that they had with their user base, they're in a lot of trouble. You mentioned the headphone jack, it's a really good thing to bring up with regards to this device because if you remember about a year, maybe a year and a half before they lost the headphone jack on their phones, I think it was Carl Pay who went on Twitter and did a survey asking if they should keep the headphone jack, and overwhelmingly 80-90% like of users said yes, yeah. and by the next year it was gone. And that to me signals a company that is maybe you know losing some of that direct connection with their fans. I realize it's incredibly hard. You get to a certain point and, you know, you definitely can't, the CEO of a company can't answer every single, uh, you know, every single uh, uh, consumer complaint there is. But the budget, that mid-tier, that, you know, $500, $600 price point is so fundamental to their success. And now they're facing so much more competition from so many other Chinese smartphone makers that are coming in trying to infiltrate the United States market that if they don't keep it within that price point, I think they're going to be in trouble.
0: Yeah, I think you pretty much nailed it, which is why I think, you know, last year when I reviewed the OnePlus 6T for a Geek Spin, I felt that I would almost prefer OnePlus 6 simply because the only thing you really gain objectively in a OnePlus 6T was the T-Mobile tie-in, which is great. If you're a T-Mobile customer or whatever, of course, you, you know officially support for the 600 megahertz band, which is nice, but it actually exists on the OnePlus 6 as well. It just, you know, isn't official. And then, you know, of course, you know, the bigger battery was the big one. You get a bigger battery this time. But honestly, objectively, everything else was better on the 6. You know, the, the teardrop display, I like it but the notch display had an LED for notifications in it. It went away with the teardrop. The OnePlus 6 had a headphone jack. The OnePlus 6 had a fingerprint reader in the back that was a million times faster and more reliable than the in-display fingerprint reader. So I feel like they, in order to kind of stay like almost bleeding edge in using the latest technology, not necessarily for the better, but just for be able to check the checkboxes in the spec list, yeah. they have been making these weird decisions that you know, yes, they're trying to be more mainstream, I get that, you know, they're trying to be more premium, I get that, they're not necessarily as excited and interested in being bound to their original customer base, which is very nerdy and very early and very niche, and if you grow, you need to get out of the niche. One of the biggest pe- mistakes Pebble made that I was trying to rectify when I was there is stay in the niche, you know, we needed to go big, mm. and we didn't for whatever reason, and that's part of the problem, right? So, I get that OnePlus needs to kind of grow up, but I think that they could do it and still be kind of bleeding edge and not compromise on some of the things that the fans really like for example in the oneplus 16 they could have kept the one the jack in some way or another and you know maybe i I get like introducing the fingerprint reader in the display because it's kind of unique and cool and it was the first phone in the us with it um but you know, maybe wait an extra generation so it's more sorted. I'm sure the next version is going to be way better. I, I, how is the ultrasonic one on the Galaxy S10? Is it reliable?
1: It's great. I mean, it's see, I've I've talked to a couple people who had problems with it. I, I haven't. It's you It's know, been solid. Sure
0: it's so it's it's an improvement because yeah. you see it's optical on the OnePlus 6T, as you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the apparently the next generation optical is way better. So let's see what happens. But by my point, I felt it was a little too early. And dropping that phone jack was a mistake. And then the other thing is, we've been asking this since at least the 1 plus 5, um which was with the 1891, whatever it was. Uh, no, that was the 155T. But we've asked since then pretty much water resistance, waterproofing, at least some sort of statement around it that, that, you know, like we're IP certified, even if it's not the best IP. So we know what to expect, right? And now we're seeing these rumors of a pop-up camera, which I'm excited about because it would be cool to have a phone in the US officially supported with a pop-up mm. camera because we are not, most of these are Chinese phones we'll never see. But here it is again. By having that, you're introducing failure points, you're introducing mechanical complexity, you're introducing no, you you definitely don't have water resistance. And you know, you know, you haven't fixed the other things. No notification line anymore. Hopefully it can come back. No headphone jack, I doubt it'll come back. And and you know, and as I said no water resistance. So and and the fingerprint reader in the display, hopefully it's a better version. So 5G, of course, is kind of a, you know it's not relevant here because it's going to be there as an option and and it doesn't really change the phone in any way thankfully you learned that at mwc that the 5g phones are not going to be thicker and more bezel-y and uglier and heavier and worse they're just going to be maybe the a little batteries more, might be worse well they seem to all have pretty beefy batteries and i don't know if you went to this qualcomm press conference but they were very adamant that unlike, and not just like, you know, adamant to us journalists, but they were adamant to, to everyone publicly in their press conference that they are, that they have like really great battery life management on these chips and that it is going to v- have very li- little impact. And, you know, I'm willing to believe them because so far everything that Qualcomm's promised, they've delivered this time around. It's not like the Thunderbolt. Remember the freaking Thunderbolt from HTC? Yeah the phone that literally had a 10 minute battery life on 4g
1: yeah i mean I, they're all all these companies everyone i've talked to they they've got bigger batteries for that reason if you look at the um, the S10 5g it's that that's a big part of the reason i mean it's got a bigger display but it's a big part of the reason why it's got a bigger exactly. battery they're all going to have to go to bigger batteries it's got a bigger
0: of, display for the bigger battery for the 5g it's very smart yeah.
1: There, but there, but you know there, there there's gonna there's gonna be a hit. I mean they're saying it's not gonna be huge, which it's gonna, sure. gonna be a hit for sure. But
0: but if you have two day battery life today and you go down to one and a half days, big deal, yeah. right? I mean I'm willing to do that compromise if in some parts of my you know wherever I live or work. I get great, like crazy, great performance on the network, and and sure, that's the other
1: thing too. Is like to be fair, you're you know, best case scenario in 2019, you're on 5G half the exactly. time. Exactly, and
0: so if the power management that Qualcomm's talk about is working properly, your 5G radio will basically be off if you're not using it, if there's no signal for it, and I believe that's true. So I think we'll be okay. Anyway, so yeah. so
1: that's the rumors on. Can I say one more? Yeah, can I say oh, one last for thing about sure. OnePlus. Um, uh, <laughs> So so this occurs to me as you're comparing the um the, the six and the six T, yeah. which is you're comparing two devices that came out in the same year, which is really which, which is, is crazy, funny right? Because, <laughs> but yeah, I mean so they're like, okay, their their play from the beginning was listen, we're not gonna be the first to a technology, we're gonna wait till it's mature. We're going to put in the phone and we're just going to deliver you a flagship device at you know, significantly less price. It's maybe like half year behind. They switched it up a little bit. And sometime in, during the process, the reason why they're a five-year-old company that's released like 10 phones is because they started doing it twice a year. Now, hypo- like, hypothetically, what if in 2019 or 2020, they, they, they make the shift so that instead of you know, releasing two flagships in a year and effectively screwing the people who bought it the first half of the year by coming out with a, a nicer device, what if they move to, to it like a, a two-tier system? You know, what if they do create a premium device? What if they do do all those innovations on the, the larger, more expensive one, feed into that part of the audience, and then, you know, all of that technology will start to trickle down into the mid-tier phone that they're creating, which will appeal to what's, you know, hey, traditionally been their core users. I
0: tell you what, I'm on board. Surprise me. Make two One 7. Make a 5G version with a pop-up camera. That's the technology showcase. I yeah. cost $200 more or hundred bu- I think hundred bucks more would be reasonable. And then make one with a teardrop, no- not a teardrop knob, which a pull punch display, which is water resistant and has just basically a- an improved OnePlus 6T. Uh, re- bring back the notification light give me a, a hole punch display, improve the fingerprint reader in display. And that's all I really need for the medium range. If you want to call it one plus seven. Yeah, do it. But here's the thing from all my conversations with one plus, they got burned so hard when they did that mid tier one plus X a few years ago, because it, it failed miserably that they're really not interested. They just want to do one phone every six months. And, and that's why I feel like the seven is going to be a, Uh, basically two variants a regular and a 5g version they look the same and there might be marginal differences in thickness and in battery uh, capacity and that's all we're going to see
1: i don't know yeah i i yeah i mean as i I guess as long as they have the 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 two options it's fine they'll they would they're definitely shooting themselves in the foot if they just go to a 5g model for any number of reasons
0: yeah listen all right um (laughs) i want to talk a bit and i don't really want to recap it in my show yeah. notes I put recap, but we're running out of time. But not only that, okay. we've I've covered MWC in two podcasts now. Everybody knows everything about it who listens to the show. But I kind of want to get your take, like I do like a higher up overview of what what yeah. are the things you saw, what are the things that turned you on, what are the things that turned you off at MWC? Because for me I'll tell you really quickly what what the takeaway was for me. Folding phones are real and they're cooler than I expected. Way cooler than I expected. I was very jaded about this and I still feel the Galaxy Fold is meh but I feel like the Mate X is wow. And uh, there's yeah. lots of compromises with that but I, and, and I know there's lots of strings attached to that but I want to discuss that. And then the other thing is 5G, holy crap. It blew my mind. I went into it kind of very, again, very jaded where like all these promises of 5G, is it really going to be real? And it's real. And... And, you know, more real than 4G rollout was, is basically my point of reference here. It's more real because the devices are more polished. There's way more carriers on board from get-go. There is, uh, you know, a way better technology right. available right from the get-go. And pricing doesn't seem to be affected too badly, etc., etc. Now, does it mean you're going to be able to use 5G in 2019 in your hometown of, you know, Wichita, Kansas? I don't know. But my point is... It's going to be there. It's going to be in some markets. It's going to start and it's going to be real and it's not going to be a complete utter disaster. That's my takeaway for the, for MWC.
1: So I mean th- this is the this is the cycle, right? We hear uh carriers and everyone else all talk about this technology for years. I mean this is they've been talking about 5G at MWC for Probably like five years at this point. Last year it was everywhere in spite of the fact that we knew that like at the very least it was a year off. Um, Phone companies started promising them early. They're coming out with their devices now in spite of the fact that like, you know, the networks are not really not ready for for those devices yet. And then like insult to injury, like leave it to AT&T to really screw the pooch by making up fake 5G. So Um, pissed about that. So there, which they did before they did it with 4g and and people Apple is call, going with along LTE. with it again. And, and people, and people totally called them out for it. And yet they did it again because they knew that like people have, you know, they have really short term memories and they're going to forget about it and get hyped about it again and ultimately get disappointed. So, so that's, you know, that's a long winded way of saying that I don't think the industry did itself any favors. Um, they've been hyping it for people for too long, but yeah, it's, it's, going to be cool it's going to be cool beyond just being faster mobile networks for phones that's great cool like some um i'm trying to remember i got a stat from somebody and it was something crazy about like you know downloading a three gig movie in three seconds or something something yeah i remember that like that yeah Yeah. i that 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 data point somewhere that that's great but What's going to be really interesting is the millions of other things that it enables. So obviously we're at kind of this interesting point for IoT, smart home stuff, but that stuff is really beginning to pop in a major way. It's becoming a lot more ubiquitous. For a lot more people, um, you know, Miriam, you, you follow the automotive industry really closely. That's going to be super interesting. The ways in which it empowers autonomous driving. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I
0: think industrial applications, like reconfiguring factories, is like the biggest nightmare for for the industry right now. You know?
1: Yeah, robotics. I, I hear you know. I, I cover robotics pretty closely these days. I hear a lot of robotics people talk about. It. We saw um, a Toyota humanoid demo. Of somebody like six miles away um, with a motion tracking suit. M- moving this humanoid robot. I, I do think it's going to start to be transformative in-, in ways that we don't necessarily understand. And it's a nice bonus that we're just going to have a lot faster phones in the meantime.
0: Yeah, well, that's kind of how I see it. I think 5G is going to affect us as, you know, society much more than 4G did, but it's not necessarily going to be reflected by our phones, you know? Uh, I mean, sure, our phones will be faster and, and it will, you know be able to download things better and with lower latency we'll be able to play video games remotely i think on our consoles better things like that um we'll be able to do um get a lot more bandwidth capacity on a single cell tower you know how sometimes you go to a concert right now and it all falls apart no matter how much they plan no matter how many cows they built uh cell on wheels c-o-w cows Uh, additional cell towers that you deploy with mobile, uh, with trucks and stuff. Um, You know, like, it's always tough on 4G for that. And I think 5G fixes a lot of that just by the way it's designed, right? So I think we're going to benefit. It's not going to be the kind of mind-blowing thing that people have been describing to me, though. It just feels like LT on steroids. It's going to be low-latency, super-fast LT is what it's going to feel like. And at first, and maybe an entire industry like, you know, like the air, the sharing industry, Airbnb, Uber, Lyft, all that came out of, in many ways, LTE and the smartphone revolution and the app revolution and your app in your pocket. Uh, but I think maybe something will come out of it, but I don't necessarily see it to be that radical. I think it's going to impact things like our infrastructure a lot more, like you said, vehicle to vehicle communication, things like, you know, smart cities things like uh you know my I, I just had a a new uh smart meter installed in my place here in Portland um I, and i didn't do it the comp- the um uh, the what's it called the the electrical company did it and you know what that means now i can actually sell them electricity back if i put solar panels in my house before that i couldn't do it because i didn't have a smart meter now how does a smart meter talk to their s- infrastructure it does it wirelessly with a GSM radio right now uh probably like 3G or 4G but with 5G you know you can have a lot more of these tiny little devices metering and talking to something remotely without killing the bandwidth, right? So I think that's what's going to change. It's not really so much our phones. It's all kinds of other stuff. But for our phones, in the more immediate future, we're just going to see a little loss of battery life, a little more price to buy the phones. Uh, Some carriers are going to charge more for for their service, I'm sure. But Timo has already announced that they won't. So... You know, maybe it won't be that big of an impact, and we'll benefit from just faster downloads, lower latency, and you know, better performance at concerts or whatever. It'll be interesting to see. But I think we're all going to win in the end, right? So, yeah,
1: and I have it a good authority that Donald Trump right now is hand building the six G network. He is. So look look forward to that. All those times <laughs> you think he's golfing, he's actually building all the cell towers for six G.
0: Because you know he's a very serious, hardworking man that's honest <laughs> in everything not ah we love being political on the show it always weeds <laughs> out the right people i love it um yeah look i think um well, i want to get your take on this folding phones yeah. if you're unless you sound like yeah. to add more on the 5g story but no but i kind of like we talked about the galaxy fold quite a bit within the context of the announcement mm. and the timing and the the galaxy s10 review you did but the Madex, I mean, come on, don't tell yeah. me for a second that your jaded good old journalist heart didn't for a second <laughs> skip a beat and go, holy F-balls, this is coolest thing I've seen in a long time.
1: Yeah. Um... So a couple of things. Did you
0: get to play with it at all? I did not. Unfortunately, get a okay. hands on. I'm a too bit of a you know too small of a fish to get that yeah. kind of access. Yeah, Even yeah. though I have a really great relationship with Huawei, they said, "Miriam, we're sorry. We have a limited amount of space. Brian Heater will go instead." And I was like, "Yep, <laughs> it's
1: yep, yeah." And we'll get him on the show. No, it's funny. Like I've had I've run into this a couple of times recently, where like I've asked for people and they have said specific, like for 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 my podcast and they said specifically, "So and so is not doing podcasts. So there's still a weird stigma there where it's just yeah like podcasting. Still think I mean, a, look,
0: I have great access because I have a great relationships from my time at Engadget because you know I'm an influencer and what I say it seems to matter. You know, like some of my tweets get like millions of views. It's bizarre. I don't know why. It's actually yeah. usually the most bizarre tweets that get like things that I'm like, really? You give me a 1.4 million views on this? Like what the hell is wrong with you people? But the point is that you're right. Podcasting yeah. does not get you in the yeah. door very well. Unfortunately, we used to
1: up until recently like there used to be a separate. Blogger and press back.
0: Correct. Followers. Right. I that, think that's kind of like, where we
1: are right now. So yeah, you know. Okay. Anyway, so so I did I did get I did get some some hands on time with it. I wrote I actually wrote a, a post specifically about this, which is uh, I think that the title of it was uh, "We are ready for foldable phones, but are foldable, fo- foldable phones ready for us?" And, and the the crux of it um, was that uh we saw all these cool devices um they didn't the only fold that we saw at uh unpacked a couple weeks ago was the one that was held up on stage um i think it was by dj co and then um there were like four of them on site at mwc and they were all behind it was like ridiculous glass and ropes um, like it was so funny like I, I was talking to my Samsung like, contact and he's like he's like yeah yeah come come like we'll give you like early access to the booth in the morning you come like check it out and I got there and so we were all standing up next to the glass like taking pictures and as we were doing it security came by and erected these ropes so we, we, everyone had to stand three feet back the
0: it's like the that, main access, that you couldn't really see anything it was so
1: reflective no.
0: like it was just basically was so like a total bad. mess
1: Yeah, uh, my videographer Vian who was like incredibly good at her job like she's like I just can't I just can't shoot it and if if she couldn't do it. No, I can't. But anyway, so the Mate X was a better story, a much better story, not quite great from the standpoint of, uh, I, I know not everybody got this experience. Uh, part of this was because we were like a, a small team and I think I was like, uh, missed the initial hands-ons with the device by a couple of hours, which means it moved from being like one-on-one to group. But it was this really bizarre thing where the... Huawei rep had to constantly be holding the phone the the entire time, so like we could touch it, but he also had to be touching it, and like no no photos of our own hands with it wouldn't actually oh, let us wow. fold the thing. There were a lot of there were a lot of weird little red flags. Now, like I trust that by the time that device certainly comes to market, that it's going to be pretty well fleshed out. The Samsung one I'm a little concerned about because I think the I think it's like due out like mid next month and. They weren't re- ready to show it to any of us, and that, that gives me some, some pause with this device that they're going to be charging two thousand dollars for.
0: I know, doesn't it? Like red flags go off big time here, but you know, it's Samsung. It, it might, it might suck. Remember the Galaxy uh, Note Edge? It kind of sucked, yeah. and eventually, look at all the Galaxy phones now. They all have that bit of an edge on both sides, and yeah. it's not used that way. But it, it was the beginning of something, right?
1: Yeah, and, and and I mean you're right. The the Mate X, is is it's very cool. It's the first other than the um was that Xiaomi that did yeah. that little like teaser on Twitter. Other than that which was I don't even know if that was a real thing. It looked, you know, it was clear like very controlled circumstances. In the same way that the fold video that came out during MWC, you're like this is done on a set. Uh this was clearly edited. We we don't know what's going on with this thing. I, I saw the Mate X in person, and I got to you know I, they're, they're, I've got photos of it running running TechCrunch, and we got a demo of the map the maps and everything. It was like, it was a, it was definitely a functional device. They were probably just worried about some ticks with the UIs and all the bugs that they have to iron out with Android in order to get it like just exactly perfect to put it through the, the rigorous tests that we're going to put it through. But from a hardware perspective, it's just a completely blew the galaxy out of the water and that's got to be why Samsung wanted to be so early to the conversation because they knew that there was a good chance that somebody was going to come along with another device and completely you know completely eat their lunch and and they just they had to be concerned with huawei from every perspective because again apple is definitely concerned for sure but like you said at the very least apple has will continue to have ios and that will continue to to they'll continue to have fans samsung is competing for the same exact android market share they have to be worried about huawei
0: Huawei is, is eating everybody's lunch. I, I swear. I And I love Samsung them for especially it. especially, Because though. they're just so unapologetic about it. It's like, oh, well, like, screw you. Here's the Mate 20 Pro. Best phone of last year, bar, bar none. Like, there's just no contest here. It's just like, you are just like, I think that P30 Pro, which I want to talk about because we saw some leaks, that's going to be released on, on March 26th in Paris, is going to eat it might be, it might eat Samsung's launch, not in the US because they can't sell here, but in other parts of the world for sure. Like the Mate 20 Pro did at the high end and like Honor is doing constantly at the mid range and lower end. Uh, Honor being a Huawei brand. And you saw that they did a second gen of their laptop, the Mate Book X Pro, which as we know last year was everybody's favorite Windows laptop and they refreshed it this year. It's even better. Um, I don't know. Huawei is just like killing it. And, and to me that, that Mate X, felt like a second-gen product, whereas the a few days before, the Galaxy Fold felt like a first-gen product. And I know there's all kinds of issues here. We've talked about them in the last two shows. Like, yeah. you know, the fact that the the display is on the outside and it's a plastic display, is going to scratch, all that. And, you know, I think the first couple of years of these folding phones are going to be a bit of a mess. But hey, Gorilla Glass announced that they're working on folding glass, guys. So, wow. Yeah. You know, that would solve the problem, I think. Yeah,
1: and and you know, it's, it's, I mean, they're okay. They're an interesting company for a number of reasons, but I do feel, for whatever, you know, I and, and honestly, I still at this point don't know what to believe. But whatever ties they may or may not have to, Chinese government spying, you know, uh, 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 Iranian tariffs, all that stuff. I do think that when it comes to talking about the devices specifically, that um, Richard Yu is a pretty straight shooter. Yeah. I mean, I was at that. I was at the CES two CESs ago where it came on and oh, just, yeah. like, railed against the carriers. I was, was there. I was watch. just mind-blowing.
0: Yeah. I was like, yes, yeah. dude, totally. You you, you say I turned, what you have
1: to say. I turned to Frederick, and I was like, well, I guess this is a post. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to ignore the rest of the news and just start writing this because this is, this is, like, an amazing thing to see. But he, he said something really interesting at MDC this year, which was basically, like, listen— we know this is prohibitively expensive. Like we, we're we're well aware of that fact. We're we're putting five G on it. We're just going all in. We know that only the only the early adopters are going to buy, and that that's that's the the, the approach they're taking. And I and I, I think respect this is that. going to be
0: a status device, Brian. I think the Mate X is going to be the device you pull out if you're like a a, a fancy rapper and you bought one. You know, you imported one. You know.
1: Yeah. Um. You know, it's just it's just better. It. it, it it friggin' better deliver for the for the price point so is basically the one thing it comes down to. And that's what they realize. They realize if they're going to charge people that much for the device, it really better deliver. But they all, I think they, they all acknowledge and Huawei was much more transparent than Samsung was about this, but they're all in the same boat from the standpoint of like, this is the year that it first comes to devices and next year we can start having, potentially having the conversation about being in mainstream devices. And actually, uh, it's funny because... Um, the the when I right after I finished talking to you at OnePlus's little shindig at MWC I ran into our our friend and former colleague uh, uh, Brad Mullen who's oh, Brad working, yeah yeah who's working for yeah, Alcatel now yeah and they're working on yeah, some stuff too he's working with with TCL and they announced a concept and this was very smart of them they announced the concept they showed a the concept off and we're and we're basically like listen we're working on it. It's going to come out in 2020, and it's going to be a lot cheaper. Yeah, and that's great. I mean, great. it's not going to be cheap, yep. but it's going to be accessible, and that's their thing. We're gonna we're bringing it to market, but when we bring it to market, it's yeah, it's not going to be like a Virtue device, you know? Yeah. It's it's just, it's going to be something that like normal people potentially can buy.
0: And that's cool because, you know, TCL makes uh, displays, they make televisions, that's what they're best known for in the U.S., they make great TVs, but um, they have two branches basically of their mobile uh, division that are known in the U.S. and a little bit, Alcatel that sends like cheap phones through Cricket and a bunch of other carriers. And then they, in in, in other parts of the world, sell some mid-range phones. And then we have Blackberry, which is mid to high-end phones uh, with keyboards, right? And, And have done really well well with the key one and the key two uh in their little respective niches and and i think um that's why you know it's very possible that ltcl will be one of the first to come out with a folding phone in 2020 that costs less than a thousand dollars or something right so there you go yeah and and and
1: i think i think foldable phones are exciting for a number of reasons one because it's a completely it offers a completely different form factor and again we've been looking at this like a same or similar slate for like Basically, since the first iPhone came out, everybody has been on the same exact trajectory. And we're talking about the first real potential paradigm shift since the initial iPhone. But beyond that is the fact that everyone has a slightly different or completely different approach to that form factor. And that's what's going to be really interesting to watch. It's going to be interesting to see how these things shake out, what people prefer and what direction these things ultimately move
0: in. Exactly. So, so much for not having an exciting mobile ecosystem right now, folks. Um, I we have a few minutes left, and I want to touch on one thing that I'm very excited about. Um, it's that P uh, the P30 Pro rumors uh, of the mm. camera system and the fact that it might incorporate or it looks like it incorporates from the photos. It looks like it has a periscope style 10 times zoom camera, similar to what uh, uh, Oppo showed at MWC. I wasn't invited to that briefing. I wish I had been. But um, <laughs> what's your take on this rumor? And and you know. I, I, you know, I've been a big fan of the Mate 20 Pro and the P20 Pro before it in terms of photography. You know I love mobile photography a lot. And, of course, I'm excited about the Nokia 9 PureView because of that, too. But this this P30 Pro rumor is just kind of... Not rumor, it's kind of a leak at this point. is is kind of, like, blowing my mind because I did not expect them to do that. I figured they would bring back the monochrome lens that they dropped. But now they're actually putting it 10 times optical zoom in there potentially wow
1: if if i'm like if i could plug all like i wrote a ton of stories at mwc but if i could plug for a second the one that i think very few people read which i think is possibly the most interesting piece that i wrote at the event uh it was an interview with the ceo of of light oh yeah i saw that story yeah so they're the company that a couple years ago they came out with that ridiculous 16 Lens camera device that was like you know it was the size of a phone. It was meant to replace an SLR. Um, they, I, I talked to him and he was pretty honest about the fact that they just sort of they didn't expect it to sell a lot. They knew it was just going to sort of be a bit of a proof of concept, a prototype device, and maybe a you know appeal to a very small niche of the uh, the you know the market. I think he said they sold something in the tens of a thousand, but wouldn't give me a direct number. They're the company that last year came out with the um, the five camera array that is now in the, the the new Nokia device, there and and he had some really interesting insights into the market. One of which was um, now that the smartphone market is is matured, what we're going to be seeing is more companies. Just Just doing different things on 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 the, the, the camera front. And that's Versus exciting like a couple to me, years ago. You know, I, yeah. I feel
0: like that's kind of what's been missing is that you know everybody's just been going to like some people have been like, we are betting on hardware and some people are saying we're betting on computational photography. but now we're seeing like we're betting on everything like just throw everything in there. We're all, ten times optical zoom, yeah, put it in there. stabilized, yeah, put it in there. It's like super exciting to me. And I think
1: I think what I think what we're going to see in the market, we've been seeing this to some degree, but we're going to continue to see it is different, different camera arrays for different people's needs. Now, like he acknowledged a fact that like okay, the you know the Nokia nine is a little bit silly with that array, and you're, you definitely get to a saturation point where you can't add more lenses on a device because, among other things, like your hand needs to go somewhere. <laughs> uh, but. But like, and there's there's always been a compromise or continue to be a compromise, like you said, whether it's, you know, black and white sensor or telephoto or this interesting thing that, that Nokia is doing with the essentially like five cameras all creating one ridiculous raw image. Um, is, you know, it, it, we're, we're going to see, I think, more kind of customized camera setups for different people's needs. Because like, you know, you, you and I, we both want good, great cameras. We want the best cameras. Sorry. Now that's like, i like Trump. We want the best cameras, <laughs> uh, but we don't, but we don't necessarily have the same needs for those cameras. Right. No. Like I, for example, m- maybe I would be willing to, um, drop 10 X telephoto. If it meant a, um, you know, like a, a a great aperture that I could like take super great shots in, in super low light. Right. And that's what I think is interesting. And in the same in the same thing that we're seeing with foldable screens, where we're seeing like different things for different needs. We're starting to see that on the camera side as well. And I think that's super exciting.
0: Oh, absolutely. So I'm I'm stoked by this rumor simply because, you know, um, the, the Mate 20 Pro is a good example. I use it now mostly as my main phone for taking photos during trade shows. Because it has three lenses. I got the choice of ultra-wide, regular, and the regular is really good in low light. And then I've got the choice of that two times, uh, sorry, three times optical. And, you know, it does all kinds of computational stuff, combines the lenses and stuff as well to get, you know, better performance. And and imagining now that they replace this 3 times zoom with a 10 times optical, I'm like, okay, there are times when I want to zoom in more. um, And I can't right now because it just gets a little too fluffy, right? Like, uh, and And so, this is kind of cool because I like the idea of having a single device that does most of my photography right and uh, and that's what you know this this promises and in, if indeed that's what it is. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens in Paris on march 26th. yeah, I, I mean, there is there's you know you you've be,
1: uh, you tested the pixel three out oh, right?
0: I have one. it's my main my main yeah. phone
1: okay. so so like you know that it they're able to do some really amazing things with machine learning it's incredible and AI with with like the, again, with essentially keeping the same hardware as last year. But you also know that there are limitations to that, right? You also know that like with with the Zoom, that you're still going to get noise. You know, you're still going to get uh, the, a, a degraded image. And um, so, like, that's something that, I don't know, maybe someday they'll be able to correct for it. But right now, you still need the hardware to get really decent zoom on the camera. Yeah,
0: and that's kind of why I'm got, I'm excited because I was like, you know, I was expecting the P30 Pro to bring it up a notch again, but I just didn't think they were going to go in that direction. As I said, I really thought we we're going to be, you know, cutting the... The, the 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 best of both worlds between the P20 Pro and the Mate 20 which was you know P20 Pro didn't have wide angle but had a mono lens and Mate 20 has the wide angle the ultra wide angle but no mono lens that, uh, they're just going to bring back the mono for that low light and for that you know real artistic real monochrome vibe and because you know remember Leica is their partner they do monochrome cameras so then I was like, uh, the 10 times zoom! Wow, that's really an interesting idea." And it looks like it has a time-of-flight camera for depth sensing, which I think is going to be very helpful. I think we're going to see yeah. more. But I think within a year or two, every phone will have a front and rear time depth, uh, you know, time-of-flight depth camera that will be used for like portraits, for basically getting a, a feel of what's in front or behind of the phone, which I think is going well, to be more really than that,
1: important. More than that, because everybody is pumping so much money into augmented yeah AR, reality right of course.
0: Now. That's that's absolutely a great use for it, but I'm just saying, like, and just purely on yeah. photography, it's going to be, you know, forget laser autofocus and phase detect autofocus and and you know uh, contrast based autofocus, which is a three three traditional means of doing it. Like when you have a depth map, like. Pwah, you can do whatever you want with focus. You know, it's like awesome. Um, yeah, I don't like I, I never
1: I rarely, rarely ever use my front facing camera. I don't I don't take a lot of selfies. Neither do In I. fact, most of the selfies I take are like basically by accident. I wrote kind of like a, a, a tongue in cheek story a while ago that like I, I would be willing to totally get rid of the front facing camera if it meant like a full screen. <laughs> Um, which, you know, like (laughs) very, very, very much divided the audience, but that said, they hate you now, Brian reason. I know. (laughs) Well, you know, they they hate you for like a week and then you say something nice about the company. They're like, Oh, okay. Uh, but, um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's AR, I'm sure that Apple somewhere in the depths of their Cupertino spaceship is working on a headset right now. And Google's getting back into that business as well. I'm sure, sure Samsung is terrible as the Their their, uh, their emojis are doing it too. So, you know, that front face of camera is not going away anytime soon because AR is going to be so important to the future of these devices.
0: Absolutely. It's going to be good. So listen, uh, we should wrap it up. I want you to tell the audience where they can find you on the internet. It's obviously TechCrunch, but, you know, maybe your Instagram and Twitter handles and whatever else you're willing to deal with uh, the repercussions of this show.
1: Sure. Uh, I actually don't have Instagram, which is a shocker. Shocker. I know. I have a rabbit so people are trying to get me to go on it but I but I never have. I'm on Twitter at beheater. Uh, and the thing I always like to plug on podcasts is my podcast which is Please do. R I Y L. It's um it's done in partnership with uh, the good folks at Boing Boing. You can find it at riylcast.tumblr.com or iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh, YouTube, Spotify, anywhere where you have to get podcasts.
0: Fantastic. Um what is that, what's the main kind of covered topic of it?
1: Oh, it's um, it's week, it's weekly. Uh, So we just put up episode three hundred twenty-four. I'm looking at right now. Uh, It's interviews with um, long-form interviews, so you know, up to like an hour or so with artists, musicians, writers. Um, We had Mimi Pond, who's an amazing cartoonist out of LA. She wrote the pilot episode of The Simpsons. That's this week's episode. Ed Solomon, who uh, wrote Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, was on there recently. Uh, Michael Franti of Michael Franti of Spearhead, Douglas Rushkoff. Um, So, you know, we've had some folks that I'm really excited about and it just, just lo- it's basically long-form conversations
0: and people talking about the creative process. Sweet. So check it out, folks. You all know where to find me. I'm at TNKGRL, that's Tankerl on Twitter and on Instagram, that's like Tankerl a comic book without the vowels. Uh, check it out there. There's always some great phone photos and whatever on my Instagram and sometimes apparently million view tweets on my Twitter, so <laughs> you should know. Um, and then, of course, uh, the YouTube channel that goes with the Mobile Tech Podcast is called the Mobile Tech Podcast channel. The URL is simply YouTube.com Com slash my name spelled out Miriam Joar. if you don't know how to spell that just go to my Twitter account and look it look that's right there. Um, also the podcast is at mobiletechpodcast.com. We're on all the platforms, Google, Apple, Pocket Cast, Overcast, uh, TuneIn Radio even. Uh, I still need to get a few other platforms on board, but, you know, we're working on it. And so uh, stay tuned for more. Obviously, we'll have another show next week. But uh, Brian, I want to thank you. And I also want to thank our sponsor really quickly. Uh, Are you by any chance an Audible customer, Brian? Uh, I'm I'm not. I, I have
1: used their service. Well...
0: I guess guess what you can support the podcast okay. by becoming an audible <laughs> customer through I should have said yes Yeah, exactly right uh, through uh, through in the show notes is a link to a, a special deal you get 30 day free trial if you want to support the podcast and you want to be new to audible and subscribe you can go there and now we're going to say what is audible well it is a great uh, audiobook platform it is the audiobook platform if you like to you like books but you can't read them for whatever reason maybe you're driving all day or you're traveling and your eyes are tired whatever it is just uh, go and check out audible they have a great selection of authors a lot of the authors read their own books which is really cool and uh, again you know if you click in the in the notes below you can support the podcast and get 30-day free trial the link is audibletrial.com mobile tech that's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. Uh, So thanks again, Ryan. Uh, this is like the 100th show. Thanks for being on the 100th show. That's pretty, pretty great milestone. Hey, Muzzle Tub. Yeah, awesome. So stay tuned for another show next week, folks, and uh, cheers for now. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.